This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Matthew chapter 2, if you're there, say hey. Can I encourage you to bring your Bible to church? There's nothing like bringing your own Bible. And if you didn't bring a Bible today, that's fine. We have a screen behind you. We're going to show that verse in a moment. But there's something about your own Bible. I believe it's a book that changes you. It's a book you don't read. It reads you. And there's something about bringing your Bible to church. And uh, we love the Word of God here at Nova. Matthew chapter 2. We're in a series right now called Christmas Miracles. And we're unpacking the Christmas story from four different points of view and picking out miracles, picking out uh, truths um, from people involved in the Christmas story that we believe were truths for them and truths for us. And we're in our third week today. And we're going to start reading in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Verse 1. It says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Just a side note, in, in the book of Numbers, it was prophesied that there would be a star rising as the king was born. So they are actually fulfilling prophecy. God says things before he does things. God wants to speak to you before he delivers to you. And that's why we believe God will speak to us. That's why 21 days of prayer, God might put something in your heart that he's going to do this year. God always wants to speak it before he does it. And God spoke it in Numbers chapter 24. And now we're seeing it unfold here uh, in the Christmas story. Verse 3. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? They went back and searched prophecy and searched the text. And In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, and a ruler will come from you who will shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Herod was a liar. He didn't want to worship him, but he did want to know where he was. Verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen guided in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over a place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. All joy to the world, because they knew they were about to witness the Savior of mankind. Verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest, and they gave him gifts of gold, Frankenstein, and myrrh. Remember growing up, you thought, well, Frankenstein, that's a cruel gift, frankincense and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. God uses dreams. Sometimes I think we slow down enough, God wants to speak to us. It says, get up, flee Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left For Egypt with the child and his mother, and Mary his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death, and fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through his prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. You think he would have saw that coming? They were wise men. (laughs) I just thought about that. Like, yeah, they're probably gonna outwit you. 
He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years of age and under, based on the wise men's report and the star's first appearance. Today, for the next few moments, I want to continue this series, Christmas Miracles, on this topic and this title, The Miracle of No. The Miracle of No. We're believing today that you're going to be encouraged, whether this is your first time in church or your latest time. We believe God wants to speak to you today. He's already speaking to you through worship and speaking to you through conversations. But we believe the Word of God is going to speak to you even now to encourage you and bless you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for this Christmas season. I pray joy would be our portion today. God, we just love you. We're thankful for our kids right now that are being led by our kids team. We're thankful for, Father, the dream team that serves so well. We're thankful for the guests that have come in here today. And God, we're asking that we would hear from you. God, would you speak to us? We don't want just a few minutes of a ceremony. We just don't want a few minutes of a service and check a box of our religious duty. But God, we are asking that you are good and you are God. And we're praying that you would speak to us. Would you speak to our lives, our every day? Would you speak something today that will speak to our Monday and our Tuesday? God, would you come alive right now and show us your presence? Father, I thank you that you're good. Help me preach well. Father, help truth last in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. I, I, Christmas me- memories. There's something about this time of year, and I was thinking back to my childhood. I remember one of my Christmas memories. We have so many of them, but one was tinsel. Do they still make tinsel anymore? I remember, remember tinsel. Remember tinsel? Remember that stuff? Back then, when I grew up, we had shag carpet and tinsel. That's a bad combo right there. Because you would lose tinsel in that carpet. You'd find it in June, right? Tinsel, I think it was illegal. Animals would die. I think the planet was dying. But we, had, we threw more tinsel on our tree. It was the ugliest thing. We just threw tinsel at the thing. If his tree was missing a spot of, of, of bows or, or needles, you just throw tinsel on it. Just tinsel fixed everything. Tinsel was the duct tape of Christmas. I also remember my parents, uh, my mom used to make us uh, pop popcorn. I don't know if anybody else did, did this. Maybe it was just a Newfoundland thing from my mother growing up. But, and cranberries, and take a needle and thread. Anybody else do this? And you would put a needle, in, okay, these are my people right here. And you take a needle and thread, and you put it through popped popcorn. And then every like seven or eight popcorn, you put a cranberry on. And then you'd hang it on your tree. Anybody else do this? I was thinking about this. Like, we were like seven with needles. I poked my, there was more blood on that stuff than there was popcorn. I remember thinking, I'm not sure if my parents were creative or if we were poor. But for some reason, that was our decorations. We don't need tinsel. We don't need ornaments. Come on, kids, get working. It was like a little child factory in our basement. We're all putting together cranberries and popcorn to put over our tree. I remember when video cameras came out. That's how old I am. They were so big. Remember how big video cameras were? They came with like a camera and then a guy that carried the battery. That's how big it was. And and, uh, my father always had the latest and newest technology. He had this video camera, this huge camera. I think it had beta tapes in it or something. This thing was massive. It looked like he was in a war zone. And I'll never forget, we'd open our gifts, and one time, my father, he didn't record it right because he was always watching it and replaying it. We had to rewrap the gifts and open them again because he didn't get them on camera. And that's why I like acting, I think, because, like, now, act surprise. I'm like, I just want to play with my toy, but we're going to rewrap it. And my father would re-record. We've never watched those videos. Somewhere they're in a box, but we recorded them. And uh, that was my Christmas memories. Also, I remember my, my mom babysat kids, and, and she used to have childcare. And I remember she put up this manger. And manger had, like, real hay on it. This was, like, an authentic manger. I mean, it was rugged, and, and it was just this cool manger scene. And the kids, little kids, would steal ornaments from the manger scene. And they'd take them hostage. Like, they'd steal Jesus. 
You know, that's the kind of kids we, my mom babysat. They took Jesus. And they'd replace it. You go over to the major scenes going, something's not right here. Instead of baby Jesus, there'd be a Smurf sitting there. Like, okay. Remember Wibble Wobbles? Anybody remember Wibble Wobbles? These little toys? You, you knock them over, but they don't fall down. And instead of the wise men, there'd be Wibble Wobbles. And there'd be G.I. Joe and Smurfs. I remember thinking, okay, I don't remember the story going like this. When did the Smurfs show up? And they took Jesus hostage and gave a Smurf instead. I remember these memories. But this memory of the manger scene is always vivid. We drive by them in our neighborhoods. We see them uh, on TV. We see them in stores, the manger scene. Today I want to take in this, this, this moment today, this, this message on the miracle of no from the perspective of the wise men. We've talked about Mary in the first week. We talked about Joseph. But today I want to talk about the power and the, and the perspective of the wise men. Maybe here's some things you didn't know about the wise men. Maybe you knew this, but... Maybe you didn't know this today. Some truths you need to know about the wise men. Number one, there wasn't three of them. Nowhere in Scripture does it say there was three wise men. It said that there were three gifts they gave. But nowhere does it say there was three wise men. Uh, scholars say there could have been as up to 12 of these wise men that came together. They put them together and they, there was more than three, up to possibly 12. In fact, there were so many people in this caravan being rulers from Persia and Asia and, and parts of the Middle East. They were so respected and so rich and so, so high-ranking, they would, never would have traveled alone. Scholars say that they would have had a huge caravan with them, with servants and guards. And they say up to possibly 1,000 camels and 10,000 men would have been in this caravan rolling into Bethlehem. That would have been more than just three men rolling into a manger. It was a huge huge uh, caravan and movement of people. Second thing, maybe you didn't know this, but Herod was, showed restraint because he so feared their power. They met with Herod, these rulers, and they just weren't these three men in these house coats and, and holding some gold and some perfume. They were actually men of authority that represent kingdoms. And Herod as I researched this, Herod showed so much respect and fear for them, he actually restrained himself, think about it, to tell a sitting king your intention, walking into his land with 10,000 people and an army, saying, I'm looking for the newborn king of your land. Those are as close to a declaration of war as you can find. But he showed restraint. He showed restraint. Why? This is a man that had no restraint. He's known for killing his own wife and his two sons, who he was threatened by. So not to attack these men shows their greatness and their power, these rulers that came in. The other thing that I found interesting is that the gifts that they gave Jesus made Jesus' family very wealthy. These just weren't little trinkets. These weren't dollar store. This wasn't just a few things. It, it takes financial resources to travel. If you travel, you know what I'm talking about. And in this moment, in a dream... The, uh, the angel told Joseph, get up. There's a threat to your family. Take your boy, take your wife, and go. And Joseph had the resources for a quick travel and live in another country for quite a time uh, with funding. And we believe that that funding and those resources came from the gifts that they... Some even say this set Jesus up for a lifestyle that he didn't need a lot of help that he could actually travel with his band of followers and serve, they made him very wealthy from their gifts. Another thing that I thought was interesting is that they didn't make it to the manger. In the story, we always have the shepherds and the wise men, and there's Jesus and lambs and no room in the inn. But if you read the text, it says they came to a house, not a manger. It says they came in and saw Mary and the child in a house. And scholars say that Jesus was around two years of age when they showed up. The angels, uh, the, the stars showed up. 
And for two years they traveled. And in the Christmas story, we throw it together in our, when we tell the story in the pictures to make it simple, the shepherds and the wise men. But the shepherds showed up to the stable. The wise men didn't show up until he was two into their house. Just interesting. You know, I, the other thing about this Christmas story we don't talk about is the Christmas story has a dark side, doesn't it? We talk about joy and hope and angels and shepherds. We talk about no room in the inn, but this miracle that happened. But the Christmas story actually has a dark side to it. There's angels and there's a virgin birth and there's a manger, but there's also a massacre of innocent children. We just read about it. It said Herod decreed that every boy, two years of age and under, be killed. In the middle of the Christmas story that we build our ceremonies around and our Christmas around and our decorations around, in the middle of it, there's this thread of darkness of a massacre happening. Some truths I want to pull out today is this, is that when God starts something, there is always opposition. You need to know this today. We believe God is starting something in your life, in our church, in our families. Listen, when God starts something, there will always be opposition. I like to say it this way. Heaven cheers and hell fears when God starts something. In this story, God was starting the rescue of mankind. And in the middle of that, opposition rose up. There is always opposition. Listen, if you don't want to be in a fight, if you don't want to be aggressive, if you don't ever want to have to be, uh, be in opposition to anything, then say nothing. Do nothing, be nothing, and believe nothing. But the second you step out and believe that God has a plan for your life, that God has a plan for our church, God has a plan for our city, when God starts something, you can count on opposition. Some of you need to know that today. I think Christians, we get this reputation of being really nice and really weak. To quote the poet Kanye, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. We are a, we are a nice church, but we are not weak. The Bible calls our faith the fight of faith. The author wants to use a vernacular and an imagery for us to understand it's not a walk, it's not a hike, it's not a picnic, it's a fight. We are in a fight of faith that when God steps out and you step up, the enemy wants to do an opposition in your life. That's why we shouldn't be surprised when we get punched. Some of you are new to your faith. Maybe some of you have been around for a while. You get a punch, you're you know what, wait a minute, I don't think, I think there's something going on here. Yes, whenever God starts something, there's always opposition. I don't say that to scare us, I say that to prepare us. That God wants to do something in this year as it closes and the new year coming. But when God starts something, there will always be an opposition. Our story of faith started in a fight. In the middle of this story, in the middle of the beauty and the faith, in the middle of Jesus coming, our faith started with a fight. And it continues with a fight. Anybody ever felt that fight in their faith? Discouragement? Isn't it amazing? You just get that bill comes out of nowhere. All of a sudden, that relationship goes sour. All of a sudden, you start struggling with your mental health. Listen, I want to encourage you. God wants to do something, but know that there will always be opposition when God does something. But God is able to help us. Amen? I want to encourage you to tell you another truth I want to bring out of this is God is in the life business. We become too familiar with death and dying. Let me speak to this for a minute. We become too used as a culture to things dying and death. We're too nor it's too normal now for people to die. Going, oh yeah, they just, they just had a, in a weak moment, they just couldn't make it anymore. And it's now, my kids are growing up in a generation where more celebrities and, and students and classmates are dying at their own hands. It's becoming normal. We're getting way too comfortable with death in our culture. Oh yeah, just another one. That's really sad. Oh, that's really sad. We become so comfortable with death. We get uh, so comfortable with things dying like marriages. Oh, another marriage died. Oh yeah, didn't make it. We get so comfortable with things dying around us. 
Business is dying. Church is dying. People's peace dying. God is in the life business. We should not be comfortable with things dying. Jesus, God said, I came to bring life and life more abundantly. I want to let you know today that we draw a line in the sand. When we stand, death must stop. I'm not comfortable with death. I'm not, comfort- I'm not just going to let it go. Marriages die and mental health die and people's peace die and kids in rebellion in their families and churches die. I believe God's called us to be bearers of life. That when we walk in, life walks in. I believe we can speak life to every situation into our city. That's why Nova gives back. We're going to speak life into that school. We'll be making lunches, but we're going to be praying, believing for those kids, for God to bless their families. Some of them, new immigrants to our country, God helping them and blessing them, running for their lives, some of them. Some other kids in, this, in these schools, no, no, they have peace in their home. Why? Because when we walk in, life should walk in. Let's not get comfortable with things dying. Well, it's just another life. Yeah, they don't make it anymore. Yeah, their faith died. They used to come, and then they walked out. Yeah, they've walked away from their faith. When did it become okay for death to be normal? We need to fight for our marriages. We need to fight for our kids. We need to believe that when we walk in, we can speak life to people. I believe I can change the room. I believe we can change the room. I believe together we can change the city, that we speak life, not criticizing our politicians, our schools, our our leaders, but speaking life, going, no, no, I believe you can be the best woman and man for this job. I believe God can turn it around. I believe God can help your marriage. Yes, the struggle is real, but God is able. I believe we don't need to be comfortable with death. We can speak life. Speak life, look for life, give life, fight for life. Let it be said of us, we look for the life in every room we walk into. And when we leave, there's more life than when we walked in. Let's be a church of life, people. Oh, just another marriage. Oh, that church is struggling. Oh, that's just another young person couldn't make it through. It's such a challenging day. Do you think it's the hormones in our food? Do you think it's social media? I don't know. But you know what? It's actually really common today. No, no, not on our watch. Not on our watch. It's not normal. You know what's normal? Life. We're going to speak life to our city. I want to speak life to you today. You walked in here struggling. Uh, you know, when you know Jesus, his presence wants to lift you up. I don't believe you can come to this church and not walk out more full of life, more full of hope, more full of joy. We're all coming up in this place. You can't help it. The tide is rising of life in our city. And you may have walked in here struggling, but you're going to walk out higher than when you walked in. Walk out with more life in you, more joy, more peace, more loving God and his plan. We speak life over our city today. The key in this whole story is Herod asked them to show him where Jesus was. When you find the king, this king that's been prophesied, this king that would cause you to spend resources and thousands and thousands of men to walk for years, when you find this king, show me where he is. But it says they went the opposite direction saying, no, we're not going to do it. Here's my point today. Sometimes the movement to your miracle is in your no. Some of you need to know this today. That the, 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 sometimes the movement towards your miracle is in you standing up on the inside and saying, not today. No, not today. Like every yes joins you to something, every no separates you from something. We talked about the power of yes, of Mary, the power, but she said yes. She joined herself to something. Every time you say yes, you join to something. But every time you say no, you separate from something. The Bible calls us to be separate. Calls us the church to be separate. And these wise men said, no, no, we're saying yes to this king. But we're saying no to your plan. We're saying yes to life. But we know there's death on you. We're saying no to death. When you say no, it separates you from something. 
To bless your yes, one pastor says, you got to grow your no. Some of you need a bigger no on the inside to stand up. Say, no, no, not today. No, no, I'm speaking life over my marriage. I'm speaking life over my mental health. I'm speaking life over our church, over our city. God wants to grow your no. The wise men's no to one man meant life to many. What if they had been too intimidated, didn't want to offend? Sometimes we're so afraid of offending people that we say yes to everything. They said, we're in your land, this is your culture, but we know saying no to you, we're going to speak yes and life to many. That's the power of no. There's a couple places we need to say no as a church. One is sometimes we need to say no to others. Simply put, there are some people who are threatened by God's plan in your life and want to attack what God is growing in your life. I've had some people in my life, good-meaning people, and they want to encourage me. And they come in and see me, and they talk to me, and, they, and they, when I'm around them, I just feel like I don't want to do it anymore. You ever meet these people? They think they're trying to help you, but they want to talk about how hard it is, how difficult it is. You're all by yourself. You're not talented enough. You're well-meaning, but you're not talented enough. you got good people, but not that good people. You know, it's financially tough. Man, these are dark days. I don't know if the church can make it. I don't know. Our politicians, they don't know what they're doing. I don't, and you, by the time you're around them, you get beaten down so much. You ever be around these people? You, you find yourself sitting on the side of a stage singing, all by myself. <laughs> I wish I was all by myself. As you know, this is why I'm not on the worship team. And some people you get around and you can't help but all of a sudden just be pushed down. And they think they're helping you, but by the end of it, you think, I don't, I don't want to do this no more. I can't do this no more. Every time you see them, you feel like you sink lower thinking, I, I, I can't save for a house. I, I can't believe in my marriage to come around. My kids are going to be rebellious. I, I, I don't know what that pain is in my neck, but I'm sure it's, it's terminal. And you get around some people and it's just, man, do you see the economy? Do you see the weather? Do we pull out of the Paris Accord? We're all going to fry in global warming. Oh, my dear. What, did you see that tweet from the president? Oh, my dear. Did you see the non-tweet from our prime minister? Oh, did you see all this stuff? And you start going, what's going on? At some point, you got to say no to some people. And I'm around some other people. I'm around some other people. They text me. I, five minutes on the phone call, and I feel like I could run through a wall. I feel like I could climb a mountain. I feel like a legend. I feel like I could make a difference. I had a call from one person last week. And how you doing? I'm like, well, I'm struggling here. I'm doing okay here. I'm having a target. And they're like, well, you're meant to do this. We've never seen anything like this. You need to know you are the best leader, whether they believe it or not. I believed it by the time they were done. You're the best leader I've ever seen. You were born to do this. You're good looking. You're, you're way younger than you should be. I'm like, I, I like you. But by the end of these conversations, there are people in my life, and all of a sudden they text me. They, they see me. And they're not flattery. But they so pump you up, there is a yes in their spirit. But some people want to drag you down. Other people, you get around them, you're like, no, I can do it. Yes, I can press on through that, 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 that discouragement. Yes, I can press into that bad email. Yes, I can get past my tiredness. Yes, I can push through and get some help with my mental health. Yes, I can get some help relationally. And they give you the courage to keep going. Sometimes we need to say no to others. Sometimes there are people in your life that you need to love, but you don't need to like. That's going to free some people in this room. I've never been more stronger at my boundaries in my life. Because there's some people who go, I love you. But when I'm around you, I just feel like giving up and throwing in the towel. So I'll love you from a distance. And I'll encourage you. If I can help you, I will. But I don't need your voice in my head. Sometimes you've got to say no to some people. They think they're trying to give you a reality check. Well, did you know? Well, I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, this is going to be a tough time. You guys are in for a real fight. And I'm thinking, I love you. And I'm thankful that you, you know, but I just need to get some distance right now. Sometimes you've got to say some no to some people in your life. Well, you know what? Like, you know, he hasn't been faithful to you anyway. You just need to walk out. You know, she doesn't love you like she should. 
You guys have been drifting for years. Just cut it loose. No, 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 no. I need to say some no to some people in my life. Well, what, 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 what do you think? You're gonna, what, you think your church is going to make a difference? Come on. There's so many churches. Well, come on. Just lay off a little bit. You guys got signs and social media posts and your people are clapping. My God, you got, you got Christmas. What are those, snowflakes? What are those, Lego pieces? I don't know what those are, stars? You guys are a little aggressive for a Sunday morning. Just calm down. You're not going to save the world. You're not going to save the city. I love you, but I can't listen to you right now. I got to say no. Why? Because I believe God's put something in our heart to make a difference. I believe my daughter will grow up to be pure. I believe she's going to marry the, the man that God has for her. I believe she's going to be successful. I believe she's going to be a woman of character and of strength and of beauty and of health. Why? Because I have a yes in my heart. But sometimes you've got to say no to some people in your life. Some other places you've got to say no. Sometimes you've got to say no to yourself. Impurity. Mixture. Sin. That we just want to mess around. Listen, God is pure. He values holiness. But sin, when we walk away from God, we do our own thing, what feels good, what we want to do. God is pure. God is holy. God is without mixture. And God cannot stand sin. That's why there was a distance that God was here and we sinned and we separated and we were far from God. And Jesus came in to join the gap. Forgive us for our sin. Become the payment. Say, God, I got this. Put it on my tab. I've done no sin. I'm pure. Put their sin on my tab. I pay it. And because of that, God brought us together again. But you need to know this, that grace doesn't free us to sin. Grace frees us to be with God. I've been clean from my sin, not just to do what I want. Going, oh, I'm right with God. Now I can live what I want. I can do what I want. I can be with whoever I want. I can say what I want. No, no. Grace freed us to be close to God in his plan. We don't deserve to be with God. We don't deserve to know him, have him speak to us and encourage us. But Jesus said, no, no, I got you. Let me join you together. He became a bridge. That's why we celebrate the cross. But now that I'm with God, that grace doesn't free me to do what I want. It frees me to live, to be holy. I want to encourage you. Sometimes we need to say no to ourselves. A life of following Jesus is free, but it will cost you everything. Listen to me. Sometimes we have to say no to ourselves. This isn't popular in culture. Sacrifice and consecration. But as a church, you can't separate sacrifice from our faith. Just like you can't separate a fight you can't separate sacrifice. And we are called to walk a life of sacrifice. And sometimes that means saying no to yourself. Mark 8, 34 says it this way. Then Jesus, calling the crowd to join his disciples, said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for, and, and for the good news, you will save it. Here's the truth. You can't take up your cross and deny yourself and hold your own interests at the same time. You can't hold on to God and hold on to your own selfish wants at the same time. It's impossible. You've got to let go of yourself and grab on to God. He says, take up your cross, not up your desires. People are going, well, I desire this and I crave this. The Bible says, if you want to fall, listen, salvation is free, but to follow him, you've got to give up everything. Sometimes you've got to say no to yourself. The older I get in this, God, I need to say no to myself. When was the last time God's plan caused you to say no to yourself? Think about this. When was the last time God's plan, his awesome plan for your life, when God revealed something to you going, I want to take you to another level in your spirit walk, in your marriage, in your business, in your community. When was the last time God's plan was so big that you said, okay, I have to say no to myself somewhere. 
When was the last time you said no to sexual impurity? When God's called you to be pure and to be a, a man and woman of influence, and you've got to stop just going after your cravings. Sleeping with who you want, doing what you want, watching what you want. Someone called this old school. We call it the gospel. God is so good. But sometimes you got to know following God means saying no to yourself. When was the last time we had to say no to self-promotion? I just want to promote myself. Listen, if God's called you, he'll promote you. we got a bunch of people saying, look at me, look at me. And when was the last time we said, no, I'm not going to promote myself. I'll let God promote me. When was the last time you said no to yourself? No to unforgiveness. But they deserve it. They don't deserve me to say to forgive them. They, don't, they haven't even said they're sorry. No, no. I, when was the last time God's plan was so big to you, you had to say no, go, I won't hold an attitude. Don't we get easily offended? All the cat lovers know exactly what I'm talking about in this place. <laughs> it's so easy to get offended, isn't it? Go, I just hang on to that. They didn't shake my hand. They didn't look at me. They didn't say the right thing. And we get offended. Listen, sometimes you got to say no to attitudes. Could we have soft heart and thick skin going, no, no, I'm saying no to being offended. Why? Because God's plan, the yes to God's plan means no to my desires. And I want to be ticked off at you. And I want to be offended with you. And I want to be upset about this. No, I refuse to do it. What about no to the crowd? Well, everybody's doing it. We tell our kids all the time, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean you're going to do it. Sometimes yes to Jesus means no to the crowd. God at this moment is planning to birth something in your life. Do you believe that? I'm so expected for 2019. This year has been beautiful. It's been a year of struggle and great victories. People used to say that life is like ups and downs, mountains and valleys. You ever hear that? It's not. It's more like a railway track. There's always a line of amazing things, and there's always a rail of challenging things. You know what I'm talking about? If I asked you, tell me the most challenging thing you're going through right now, you'd have something. I mean, tell me something amazing in your life. You'd have something. That's what this life is. But God in 2019 is getting ready to birth something in your life that is so breathtaking of hope. Some of you, new dreams, another level of closeness with him, of strength and of influence. And the miracle of yes must be met with a miraculous no. These wise men were a part of the greatest story. God wanted to use them to fund this family that had nothing but a dream and a, and a word from God. And they were on a mission. God was using them to fund a family, to set up their influence. And in that moment, their yes to God at some point had to be no to others. I'm sure at some point they're like, why are we coming all this way? That's a lot of sand. That's a lot of camels. It'd be more comfortable to be back home. And at some point they said, no, no, no. A miraculous no will give us a miraculous moment. And the road to your miracle sometimes is through your no. Saying no is hard. It's a miracle to say no to yourself. When you want to watch that, when you want to do that, when you want to say that, when you want to feel that. But God is in the miracle business. This Christmas, I can't help but preparing this message. I see ho, ho, ho everywhere. I see it in my mind now saying no, no, no. People say ho, ho, ho. I'm like, no, no, no. No, I'm not stopping. No, I'm not compromising. No, I'm not listening to the negative that said we can't do it. I'm not giving in to my cravings, but I'm going to go after his callings. No to my cravings. No to my sin. No to my desires. Why? Because there's a plan bigger. I have a bigger yes on the inside, and it causes me to have a no on the outside. No, I won't compromise. No, I'm not settling for average when I'm called to be exceptional. And you, you, you can take this to the bank. No to this church being average. 
God didn't birth this to be a nice little church with nice people, with good coffee, and pastors that wear skinny jeans way too tight. God's called us to be a beacon of light and of hope with other churches in our city. You better believe there's a no. No, 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 we won't settle. Yes, we're gonna fill the balcony. Yes, we're gonna go multi-site. Yes, we're gonna go multi-services. Yes, we're gonna get multiple people hired. Yes, we're gonna make a difference. We're gonna bless our mayor and our counselors and our teachers. We're gonna uh, uh, bless our business leaders. We're gonna bless single moms and single parents. We're gonna bless the refugees. Why? Because we're not gonna be average. Some of you don't believe that. But if you sit around long enough, we'll convince you or you'll get so frustrated you'll leave. But either way, we can't. Why? Because we have a no. And a no is paving a way for a miracle for God to do a moment in our city. I'm not listening to the negative. I'm not giving in to the cravings. I'm not settling to be average. And neither should you. Well, they know, Ted, there's a miracle in your no. When was the last time you said no to those voices? And when was the last time you said no to your own cravings? Some of you are like, yeah, God's doing something in my life, but I still have this thing I deal with. I still like this little habit I have, this little craving I have. I'm just, listen, God wants to call you to another level. And sometimes the miracle is in the no. There's a miracle in the yes. There's a miracle in the amen, but there's a miracle in the no. I'm not stopping. I'm not compromising. I'm not caving. I may get discouraged for a moment, but it's not turning into bitterness. Why? Because you can knock me down. But like a wibble wobble in a manger that my mom used to have, I'm getting right back up. Why? Because I will not stay down. The miracle of no. Some of you in this room today, you need to realize the miracle of no in your life. Some of you have been tempted to walk away from your marriage. No, a miracle of no. Some of you have been tempted to get an attitude and give up on your faith going, I don't feel God. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I believe in this. No, no. Miracle of no going, I'm not listening to the doubts in my head. I'm following the truth that's in God's word. Some of you just step up and know in your purity, going, I just do what I want with whoever I want. No. Saying, I'm gonna lay down my desires and pick up my cross. I'm gonna say no to myself and yes to Jesus, the miracle of no. All over this place, can we stand to our feet today? I'm gonna pray for you in a moment. We're gonna sing this song with the greatness of God. As we sing this, as we dim the lights even now, can you make this right now a holy moment in this place? If you don't have to leave, don't leave. We're gonna dismiss in a moment. But in a moment, as we sing this song, would you consider maybe, if you're comfortable, raising your hands in a moment and saying, God, where do I need to say no to others and no to myself? This Christmas, as God wants to birth something of hope and of life and of joy, somewhere a no would rise up, go, no, I'm not stopping. No, I'm not compromising. No, I'm not giving in. I will press on and take up my cross and grab onto everything God has for me. Church, let this be a holy moment, amen. Come on, let's worship together.